Well, earlier this year, we shared the story of a 17-year-old Manitoba boy who took his own life just hours after falling victim to an aggressive sextortion scheme online. Daniel Lintz had received a message request on Snapchat from what appeared to be an attractive young woman who then coerced him into sending an explicit image of himself. Within minutes, he was being blackmailed. Within hours, he was dead. The victim of a growing global sextortion scheme that is largely targeting teenage boys. We spoke to Danny's father, Derek, on the show in June, and here is some of what he had to say. You know, we live in a small community. It's a relatively safe spot. There, we don't have much going on, but I mean, this can come in from anywhere in the world. And it happens fast, and uh, it can happen under your nose, and you don't even know about it. I talk to folks, and they uh, tell them our story, and they say, oh, no, we have a good relationship with our kids. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of brush it off and you know, that's exactly how I felt about our family. We have, we're close. Um, you know, we had a good relationship with the kids. You know, there's lots of resources. Uh, like I say, there's lots of resources with counselors. And, you know, he was close with his grandmas. He's had lots of friends. He was close with his sisters. Um, so when they tell me that, uh, you know, I'm close with my kids and I don't really need to worry about it, like that's, not always the case and uh, I certainly would have felt that way myself four months ago but uh, not so much anymore. That's Derek Lintz there speaking about the death of his son Danny following a sextortion scheme that he had fallen victim to. Well over the past several weeks law enforcement agencies across this country the U.S. Australia have repeatedly issued warnings to the public about a massive spike in similar cases and today new cybertip.ca data the Canadian Centre for Child Protection shows that adolescent boys are increasingly being targeted, primarily on social media platforms such as Instagram and Snapchat, in what it calls an ongoing sextortion crisis. And joining me now is Stephen Sauer. He's the director of cybertips.ca at the Canadian Centre for Child Protection. Thanks for your time tonight. Thanks so much for having me, Ben. I mean, we've spoken about this before recently, as a matter of fact, but uh, you have some new statistics out in July that seem to suggest that this is a growing problem. Uh, what have you found and what is it telling you? Yeah, what we're seeing is an unprecedented number of reports coming in related to the sextortion of youth and young adults. Um, so in July, we had 322 victims come in looking for support in this space and intervention, some um, some sort of help, uh, you know, when they're dealing with this type of incident. So I think for us, you know, it really raises alarm bells that there is just not enough being done in this space and that uh, really those who are doing this completely understand how profitable it is. What does 322 compare to? Well, when we look at what we've had in the last, um, you know, over the last couple of years, um, it's certainly quite a jump. So in July of last year, we had 85 reports come through related wow. to this type of incident. And previous to that, it was it was 56 in the previous July. So the numbers have really, really jumped um, over the last few years. And even when we talked before, um, you know, maybe a month ago, we were looking at 150% increase in these types of reports just in that six month period. So this, again, is just another significant jump. I can see why, because I noticed you use the term crisis uh, in some of the materials you released alongside with these numbers. I guess that's a that's a deliberate choice of words. 
Yeah, we're, we're, I think we're facing an epidemic here for these, you know, for kids. And unfortunately, there really just isn't, um, isn't the, the appropriate interventions and assistance in place. You know, when you think about it from the perspective of what's happening with, uh, you know, policing in this space, and, uh, what, you know, obviously, the all the issues with being able to, um, being able to investigate this type of crime, it's really, really difficult for police to get out ahead of this. And then we also have the issue of companies not doing enough in this space to protect their users. And we're seeing that over and over again with, uh, with the, the specific companies that we see on a regular basis involved in this. Yeah, these are often, often I gather, Instagram and Snapchat. These are areas that uh, where teens are known to be, so they're also uh, people notifying them there. One of the things I found interesting about the statistics released is just how many of the cases involved boys or young men. It was a vast majority. That feels like, again, we've spoken about this, but that feels like a real shift that's happening. It absolutely is a shift. Um, I think, you know, it, the, the real shift we're seeing here is really related to the commercial exploitation side of things. Um, so for young females, what we typically see is that they are targeted by individuals with a sexual interest in them. And uh, they're really looking to gain more imagery or videos from that uh, interaction or that, that extortion incident. Um, so they're threatening the youth uh, to provide more images. But on the flip side, with this type of incident, what we're seeing is that boys are being exploited because they are vulnerable to paying as a result of sharing a sexual image. You know, the, the individuals who are engaged in this realize that there's money to be made off of these kids through these platforms. And, uh, and really, you know, like I said, I think 92% of the cases that we had in July uh, pertain to a boy. So it's, it's a significant amount of um, incidents related to males. And one of the things that you uncovered as well, which I think is probably the very root of the problem is that uh, a majority, 63%, I think you found, didn't report what had happened to them, even to someone they trusted. And that that shows just how, you know, in, in some ways, just how evil the problem is. I think there's a lot of shame associated and a lot of blaming themselves. You know, when you consider um, some of the the social messaging about sharing images, um, you know, it's it's become quite normalized and it's become part of everyday life. You know, you share a sexual image as part of a relationship. Um, and I think that is really the trick is that once that sexual image is shared, you think it's in a, you know, a consensual relationship, or at least in within a closed relationship. Um, but once you share that, you have no control over that. And so I think, you know, often they blame themselves for that initial sharing. And we know that what's happening here is, is that these guys who are doing this are very aggressive, extremely coercive. And they keep pressuring kids in until they will provide an image. Um, and there's really no uh, no reason to blame the victim. And that's what we, you know, we really want to get that across to youth is that this is not your fault that this is happening. The, they are targeted in their approaches and they understand your, the vulnerabilities of being a youth. We are seeing some different tactics that you point out in your latest uh, latest material with the alongside these numbers. We're seeing, you know, sometimes the targeting can be a little bit different, uh, or at least the targeting can be similar or on similar platforms. But there are different techniques that are being used now. What are those? What what should kids and their parents be looking out for? 
One of the newer techniques we've seen is this usage of uh, an image of the um, of the child themselves uh, that may be not sexual in nature. And so it is what they're doing is they're taking that image and they're actually um, creating a separate picture that's a sexual image. So it may be a picture of the face. It may be something that they've taken from their Instagram account. Um, and they're creating a sexual image out of that um, by posting it onto or pasting it onto, um, you know, a, a, an adult pornography image. Then they're sharing that bit back with the youth and saying that they're going to distribute that, saying that they are the ones in that image. The other tactic that we're seeing a lot of is, or we're starting to see a lot of, is this tactic where they actually send a nude image of children to the, um, to the youth or to the young adult. And then they will, um, they'll, they'll contact the youth and they'll say, well, we're going to report you to police now because this is, uh, you know, this is child sexual abuse material that you're receiving from this person. And, uh, and you're going to be in trouble for possessing that image. And you've said that this, this happens, and we know this from experience, from the stories we've shared on the show, that it happens very quickly, that this is a very well-oiled machine uh, that targets these kids. And, and it can be, I gather, completely overwhelming. Absolutely. So, you know, certainly we've seen um, incidents occur where, you know, within minutes of the initial con- contact with that individual, that they're already pressuring them into sharing a sexual image into engaging in a sexual conversation or pushing them to a live stream where they can get them, uh, you know, recorded, um, engaged in a sexual act on that live stream. It happens, uh, you know, within minutes and, uh, and there really is, they, they're really, really aggressive in their tactics. So if they see that one tactic isn't quite working, they'll adjust and, uh, and try another tactic to pressure the youth into sharing that image. I'm speaking with Stephen Sauer. He's the director of cybertip.ca at the Canadian Centre for Child Protection. They have new numbers out today that show a growing number, of specifically young men and uh, teenage boys, being targeted for sextortion uh, by schemes. These people can be anywhere in the world. Uh, the number of reports to them to them has grown uh, in July of 2022, up to 322 from less than 100 uh, in July of last year. So really, we're seeing a big jump here. When we come back, just a bit more about, again, what can be done to try to prevent this? What should parents know, too? Because what we've heard over the past is that oftentimes parents think they've had these conversations with their teens, think their teens are well aware of the dangers that lurk out there, but still many fall victim uh, to these schemes. That's next. Stephen Sauer is with us. He's the director of cybertip.ca at the Canadian Centre for Child Protection. We're talking about new numbers they have out for the month of July uh, that show that um, sextortion continues to be a big problem in this country. 322 open case files in July alone. That's up from uh, about 85 in July of last year, even fewer than that uh, the year before in July. So really, we're seeing a big growth here, uh, an epidemic, as as Stephen has, has called it. Many of the cases now involving boys or young men, about 92% of those uh, 322 victims, at least those that we know the gender of. Uh, so it, so certainly when it comes to commercial gain, uh, these uh, scammers or these 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 people targeting uh, people are, are changing their tactics. Uh, Stephen, we've talked about this as well, but what needs to be, first of all, what should parents be looking out for? Because we know that oftentimes parents have had these conversations with their teens. They think their teens know that it's dangerous out there, but still they fall victim to these sorts of uh, these sorts of crimes. Yeah, absolutely. I think what 
part of the problem is we've we've put all the responsibility on parents and on youth themselves and we know that you know the platforms that they're engaging in aren't really doing enough to protect their users um so for parents what i would say is that you know, you, you certainly want to watch out for changes in behavior, things that are, you know, maybe they've become more guarded about what's happening in their lives, um, especially in their online space. If they're taking their device into a closed bedroom um, and, they you know, you've noticed that they've had maybe a change in terms of behavior related to that device and they're constantly on it. Um, or they are no longer want to be on that device and it just seems out of the norm for them um, to, to not engage anymore. Those are kind of things that you might want to dig into, have a larger conversation with the youth about what's going on, um, and just try to massage that a bit and, and try to find out a little bit more. The tricky thing here is that things have become so normalized in terms of our online social interactions and and then again, in terms of how we engage in sexual relationships, I think the conversation actually needs to be broader. We need to start seeing change in the social norm related to the sharing of sexual images or even non-sexual images, who you're connecting with. Um, we need to start looking at uh, how do we better protect our kids by... Um, you know, really giving them the tools that they need to uh, to shut down individuals who are contacting them. So we have some resources on cybertip.ca where we will give parents um, scenarios and situations that they can open conversations with with their parent with their youth to um, to have a discussion about online sexual violence and how that occurs and what that really looks like. And so we would encourage parents to take a look at that, those resources to begin those conversations. I, I imagine it's, it can be as simple as don't talk to strangers, something that we're taught as very, very young yeah. children. Uh, but, th- but that's tough. What, what should teens know about when they're approached? Because obviously they're getting barrages of this kind of stuff, not always as, as nefarious as this, but what should they know? Should they just immediately delete, immediately not respond? Is that the right approach? I, I certainly think they should be really cautious in how they respond to someone who's reached out out of the blue that they don't know. Um, either online or offline. Um, you know, the, the, often these connections, like you said, they happen quite quickly um, and there's a lot of pressure. And then really for teens, looking at it from the perspective of how do I get out of this situation without sharing anything? How do I, um, how do I stop this communication? And so giving them some tools, some tactics, you know, it, you know just talking about maybe ending the conversation as quickly as possible. Um, giving them some outs where they say they, you know, they can't, they can't share images or they can't get on camera um, because, you know, the restrictions on their phone, those sorts of things. So I think for teens, we, we really want to emphasize the risk in sharing images online. Um, you know, you lose all control of that material once it's out of your hands. And even in consensual relationships, you still want to be a little bit cautious about who you're sharing with that because that relationship could break down and that image could be shared outside of that relationship. So just just recognizing that there are risks and that there are aggressive tactics that occur and that uh, you, you, know, you can go to a, a parent or to a safe adult to, um, to help you walk through the situation if something does feel uncomfortable or if you are being pressured. Uh, as a last question, with these new numbers out in July showing such a big jump, uh, again, I imagine the call will be out for regulators, for policymakers to do more here. 
Absolutely. You know what? One of the things that we're really pushing for is um, for really a duty of care, uh, you know, for these companies to ensure that they are held accountable to what's occurring on their networks. Um, and, and what we would like to see is a larger legislative framework around the online harms related to children. So we're hoping um, that the federal government will be moving forward with uh, legislation shortly. We know that they've been through a consultation process recently and that they're continuing that consultation process. But we really want to emphasize that, you know, we're in a crisis here and that there are youth and children that are being left to fend for themselves uh, on these online platforms. And we need to see more accountability from the companies that are, that are providing these services. When we look at what we do in other areas with, uh, you know, certain products that are manufactured for children, there are all types of, um, you know, restrictions and, and things put in place to protect those that are going to intersect with them. So toys, for example, have specific, um, you know, regulations in, in this space to ensure that they're not going to harm children. Yet, digital space, there's nothing at the moment that will protect children. It's a really a free-for-all. Yeah, we've really left our teens vulnerable uh, in this space. And it's a space they understand probably better than their parents do. So there's a disadvantage as well, right? Absolutely. I think, you know, certainly we are seeing that that the, the youth know the spaces way better. But we as parents need to start learning a little bit more about what's happening um, and learning a little bit more about those tools so that we can, uh, we can help them navigate it. Uh, you know, what I would say is that one of the things you want to do, especially if you have young children who are just newly intersecting with technology, is start the conversations early and make it less formal and more of casual conversations, casual check-ins, just like you would talking about school or talking about friends, just trying to see how they're navigating those tools. And then as they're setting up new accounts, maybe you need to go through it with them. And if they're the ones teaching you how to set it up, great, they can do that. But if they don't know how to set it up, you need to learn how to walk through it and assist them in setting that up so that you have the, uh, the highest level of privacy and security on that platform as possible. Stephen Sauer, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me, Ben.